Far 7 series this morning, and uh, we've been doing this since uh, early September, and uh, back in September we celebrated seven years as a church in existence, and so uh, with that, we were super excited uh, for that, and uh, we've taken a look throughout the Bible of just different uh, stories where the number seven has been uh, uh, an important number. And so we looked about uh, having seven days of the week and that God created the world in six days and the seventh day with the uh, day of rest. We've looked at uh, people like uh, um, Jacob who had to work for seven years to be married to his wife and then working of the seven years after that. And we've looked at uh, Joseph, who uh, uh, interpreted a dream for Pharaoh that there would be seven years of famine, seven years um, of good times. Uh, we've also looked at people like Elisha that we talk, looked about last week, who asked a guy to go dip in a river seven times to be healed. We looked at a guy called Elijah, who uh, prayed seven times for rain. And so as we're closing up this series today, we're going to take on a, a totally different different dynamic in this sermon. And uh, this is going to be very different to kind of the normal talks that we do here on a Sunday morning, uh, because we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation today. Um, And I am very briefly in the next 30 minutes uh, going to explain the whole book of Revelation to you uh, from cover to cover. And uh, uh, and you guys are going to be like, what? What was that all about? Uh, Because Revelation is a crazy book. But before we get into that, you know, over the past year, especially the past several months, The news has told us of story after story of frightening events that have happened in our world. And I found myself staring at the news and more times than not asking the question, why? Why does God let this happen in the world? Why is this happening in the world? And a question that's been more on my lips is this, is this the start of the end? Is this the start of the end? And there's lots of people who for years have made predictions about when the end of the world is. But as I've looked at the TV over the last year, I've wondered, is this the start of the end? You know, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen on the news stories of terrible wildfires in California, which has just totally destroyed wine country in California. Trust me, in the next couple of months, the prices of wine, California wine, is going to go crazy up. But the communities have been devastated by it. This week, I was looking at the news, and on the news, it showed us that there was historic flooding in Vietnam. We've seen hurricane after hurricane. Take your pick of hurricanes this year, whether it was Harvey or Irma or Maria. All of them have devastated. Puerto Rico right now still is in a place of devastation because of a hurricane. Even last week, there was a hurricane that hit the British Isles. Let me tell you how obscure and weird that is. A hurricane is a tropical storm. There is nothing tropical about Britain at all. But yet a tropical storm hit hit Britain, especially Ireland. We've seen terror attack after terror attack this week. You start to switch on, on the news and hear the story of hundreds dead in a terror attack in Somalia where a hotel got hit. Or you switch over the next channel and you see hundreds are dead in an attack on an Afghan mosque this week. And we've seen 
story after story, just go back a few weeks and there was the terrible events that happened in Las Vegas or go back a few more months and you see the terror attacks in Britain or last year in Paris and in Brussels Uh, and, and it seemed like a daily event that these terror attacks are happening. We're seeing hostility amongst nations where the reality is, is there is a real threat we could go to war with North Korea or Iran or who knows what our relationship is like with China and, and Russia after all this stuff with the election. Hostility amongst nations. And we're here at different wars and different rumors of wars. And all that, you could say, well, that happens all the time. There's always been wars. There's always been natural disasters. There's always being certain events that have happened in the world that you think, wow, this could be the end times. But what has really alerted me more to think this way in the last year or so is when it comes to the church. Because what you have seen, especially here in the United States, and it's spreading a little bit more worldwide, is that there are people who used to be passionate about Jesus and then aren't as passionate about Jesus anymore. People who used to be committed to the Jesus way, to following Jesus, and now they're not as committed anymore. People who believe that the Bible was the inheritant word of God. That's what we describe it, that that every word of the Bible is true and comes from God. And now there are many people who even call themselves Christians who are saying, well, I'm not sure if every word of the Bible is true or is fact. And when you start seeing that, the Bible tells us, that those are signs that the end may be coming. And I've understood that as we look at our world right now, our world is in a terrible place. Now, you may say, well, Alex, this has always been happened. There's always been this stuff. People have always turned away from God. This is no different to what we've ever seen in the world before. But the reality is, is right now, We have advanced technology and media that you can hear about something immediately after it happens. I think Twitter responds even quicker than CNN when it comes to reporting the news. And and so something could happen in Somalia and you can hear about it right away, where 100 years ago you would have never heard about a terror attack in Somalia. 100 years ago you would have never heard about historic flooding in Vietnam. And so it, wa- it begs you to wonder, is this the end? And so today we're going to look at the book of Revelation. And we're going to very briefly look at the book of Revelation. Now let me tell you how weird and complex Revelation is. You will read it and you'll be like, what the what? What is going on? I, eight and a half years ago, did a 12, I taught a 12-week course on Revelation and I thought that I needed another 12 weeks just to really kind of get into it. So this morning, in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to go over uh, the book of Revelation. But before we do that, I want to turn you to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And these are the words of Jesus. And I'm going to start reading at verse 8. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claim, I am the Messiah, and saying, The time has come but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. 
Then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. So that's what Jesus is saying. When the end comes, it says when the start of the end starts to come, then there's going to be all these terrible things that happened on the earth. Let's fast forward a few verses now to Luke 21, verse 25. Jesus said this, And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers in, in, in the heavens will be shaken. And everyone will see the Son of Man come in on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, Jesus says, stand and look up for your salvation is near. So when you start to see all these different things in the world going on, that is the time that you should stand and look up and look because your salvation is coming near, which is Jesus Christ. Now, the end sounds like a terrible thing. No matter what you read in the Bible, when the end comes, there's going to be a lot of terrible things that are going to happen in this world. Uh, And when I grew up, I grew up with a translation of the Bible called the King James Version. And so all the stuff I remember, like scriptures that I remember, that like King James versions, they're like the these and the thous and everything. Well, I, I always remember this scripture in the King James version because it said this, that people's hearts will fail them for fear. People will be so afraid that their hearts will be shaken because of what happens when the end comes. So with that in mind, let's turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. This is what it says. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the events that soon must take place. So the first thing about the book of Revelation is this. The revelation is the revelation of Jesus to the world. It is Jesus' book to the world about things that must take place on planet earth. And then it carries on saying this. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this is Jesus' revelation. Jesus is showing us what must take place in the world before the salvation, which is Jesus coming back again, comes. He gives it to an angel who then presents it to John. And John was John the Apostle, one of the disciples of Jesus. So just to give some backstory about what Revelation is about. Then in verse 3, it says this. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So when I read that verse 3, God blesses the one who tells it to the church and then all who listen. This tells me as a believer, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, then you need to know what is written in the book of Revelation. 
Now, the book of Revelation is made up of 22 chapters, and there are some things in there that you will never understand what is being written. But there is an overriding theme about Revelation. And if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you need to know what this book says and why it says it. And God says here that you will be blessed for knowing what the events of this book. Now, some people believe that the book of Revelation is literal. Everything in the book of Revelation is literal. What you hear, what you read is something that will take place or has taken place. Some people think that the book of Revelation is not literal. They think it's just pure symbolic, and it's not actual literal events that will happen. It's just symbols of things that will happen in the world. Some believe that the book of Revelation has already taken place. Some people believe that the book of Revelation is yet to take place. And some people believe that the book of Revelation has been taking place since Jesus ascended to heaven 2,000 years ago. And the unfortunate news I have for you today, every one of those arguments is a really legitimate good argument. I've heard some scholars say some great arguments on all of those. And so I'm not going to stand here today and tell you just if the revelation is before, it is prior, or if it's continuing. I'm not going to tell you if it's literal or it's symbolic in a way this morning. But this is what I'm going to tell you Revelation is all about. The overriding theme about Revelation is this. Revelation is all about Jesus. Revelation is all about Jesus. It's not about speculation about what will happen in the world, uh, who is the Antichrist, and, uh, and, and what is this, and what is that. Revelation, the overriding theme about Revelation is all about Jesus. And if you get that right, then when you read the book of Revelation, you will understand that Jesus is the victorious God in who we serve. Revelation is all about Jesus. It is the words of Jesus. It is the vision of Jesus written through God to point people to heaven and point people ultimately to God. And so what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to go all the way through Revelation in seven points that are going to be really quick, okay? So are you ready this morning? It's going to be real quick. So the first thing about Revelation is this, seven churches. The book of Revelation was written to seven churches. These seven churches were uh, in in Greece and in modern-day Turkey. Each of these churches were very different. There were some good churches. There were some bad churches. There were some successful churches, some unsuccessful churches. There were some rich churches. There were some poor churches. There were some churches that were on fire for God. And there were some churches where it was more like a social club than an actual church. There were so many different churches. And the revelation was given to these churches. And what it shows us is that the revelation of Jesus is not just for one type of person. The revelation of Jesus is for everyone. The revelation of Jesus is for those who are on fire for God and those who haven't even picked up their Bible for 10 years. The revelation of Jesus is for the mega church and the small church. The revelation of Jesus is for those who are in Asia, in Africa, those who, who, who are in Australia, and those here who are here in the Americas. The revelation of Jesus is for the church of Jesus Christ. It is not specifically for those who do not believe in Jesus. So if you've got an unbeliever at work and you are trying to to, to tell them about the gospel of Jesus, my advice would be this. Don't open up the book of Revelation to them. 
they may get a little weird out. The book of Revelation is for the church. It is for you and me. It's for the church. And so what John does, John addresses these churches, and then after he addresses these churches, he starts to, to tell them what he saw in this vision that Jesus gave him. So the first thing he saw was this, seven seals, seven seals. John saw a revelation of heaven. He found himself seeing heaven, seeing the worship of heaven, the angels and everybody around the throne of God worshiping God. He said it was a sight to behold, an amazing sight. But there was one issue in heaven. There was sadness in heaven for there was a scroll. And the scroll was sealed with seven seals and nobody could open this scroll. And there was sadness in heaven. Then what John says, there was something that was called the lamb that came. Kind of a little strange, a lamb. What the lamb was, it was a representation of Jesus. And Jesus came, and he was the only one who could open the seals to the scrolls. So Jesus, being symbolized as a lamb, came, and he opened the first seal. And as he opened the first seal, terror and destruction came on the earth. The Bible says that the lamb was depicted as something with seven eyes. Can you imagine that? Seven eyes? I felt like when I was a kid, my mother had seven eyes because she could see like everything I did. But seven eyes. It's kind of weird. So there's seven churches. There's a scroll with seven seals. Now a lamb comes who has seven eyes, and the Bible says, and this represented the sevenfold spirit of God. Now please do not ask me to, uh, to explain what the sevenfold spirit of God is, because I'll be honest, I really don't know. But it's all these sevens, it's kind of weird. Well, what the Bible says is as the Lamb started to open these seals, terror and destruction and and all these different events started to happen on the earth. And then the Lamb opened the seventh seal and the scroll was opened. As the seventh seal was opened, the Bible says that there was silence in heaven. As there was silence in heaven, suddenly John noticed that the prayers of the believers of God started to be offered up to God. It was almost like before God can answer these prayers, all these events had to take place from the seals. Then, after the silence in heaven, and after the prayers are uh, offered up to God, suddenly John says, then I saw seven angels. And each of these angels had a trumpet, and so there were seven trumpets. And angel number one comes and starts to blow the trumpet. And as the angel blows the trumpet, it announced more destruction and terror on the earth. And seven trumpet, uh, sorry, six trumpets were blown that heralded events on the earth such as hail, volcanic eruption, fire, disease, plagues, and war. And then the seventh angel came up and blew their trumpet. And as they blew their trumpet, it announced the coming of Jesus. And in between all this, the story of Christmas is told. 
There is a war between good and evil, and it's explained, and there's something called an antichrist that is also explained as well. The seven trumpets. In between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet being blown, the Bible says that there were seven thunders. And the seven thunders spoke. And John heard what they said, but John was told to keep it a secret and not write it down what they said. So we have no idea what the seven thunders spoke. They could have just been chatting away or they could have spoken about stuff that would happen in the world. We will never know when we won't get to heaven. We'll know what the seven thunders were. But then after the seventh angel blew the seventh trumpet, then seven more angels come out. It's almost like a play like a, 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 on a stage and seven more angels come out. And holding in their hands, they have what they call the seven last plagues. The seven last plagues. And while they came out, John saw a separation in heaven and that there was a vast multitude of people who had been delivered from this world, from the evils of this world, and they were there in awe, worshipping God. And these angels who had these plagues were given bowls, and they put the plagues in the bowls. So there were seven bowls. And then the angels, one by one, poured out the plagues from the bowls on the earth. And the Bible says that it caused pain and havoc. And all those who had rejected God and all those who had caused evil in this world, all those who, 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 who had tried to persecute people who believe in Jesus, the Bible says that they were tortured. And these plagues tortured them. And part of the plagues was something called a beast that came. Now it sounds like a like Lord of the Rings movie or something, right? A beast came. And the re- Revelation talks many times about the beast. And it talks about an antichrist, someone who will deceive the nations from the truth of God and who Jesus is. And in Revelation 17, he is described as having seven heads. I think anything with seven heads, I would describe as a beast, right? Seven heads. And Revelation 17 says, This represents the seven hills in what John called the place where the great prostitute lived. And the great prostitute had the name Babylon on it, and it represented the governments of this world who had been anti-God and had persecuted the Christians. It also said the seven heads of the beast also represented seven kings who would rule before then the beast would rule. And there would be a great war between the beast and Jesus and Jesus would come back again and he would defeat the seven, he would defeat the beast. So now we've got seven churches and we've got seven seals and we've got seven trumpets and we've got seven uh, thunders and we've got seven plagues and we've got seven heads all these sevens like what is going on with these sevens why is revelation so much about all these sevens well the last thing i want to describe about revelation is what i call seventh heaven not the cheesy tv show that was in the 90s but something else the real heaven the real heaven See, the rest of the events of Revelation take a different turn. 
Jesus comes and defeats the beast. He defeats the evils of this world. He is victorious. He comes and rules the nations. Jesus is now king of the earth. And there's a thousand year of all where Jesus rules and the beast is tied up. But following that, John starts to see a picture of a new heaven and a new earth. He sees a vision of what heaven is really like. And he sees a place of peace and tranquility where there is no more suffering. There's no more pain. There's no more tears and there's no more loss. And this, this new place, this new heaven that John sees, he sees that God is at the center of it. That Jesus is king and the old is gone and the new has come. And that's where Revelation ends. See, I told you I'd be quick on showing the whole book of Revelation this morning. But you may say, well, Alex, that's a nice story. But what does it all mean? And why so many sevens in all this? Well, I want to tell you today that I believe that Revelation is both literal and symbolic. There are events in Revelation that have taken place. There's events in Revelation that will take place. But there's also symbols in heaven that, that, that are very symbolic and you have to understand. And when it comes to the book of Revelation, what you see with the number seven, you see that the seven trumpets could not come before the seven seals. The seven seals had to be opened before the seven trumpets. And then the seven trumpets had to be blown before the seven bowls could be poured out. And what you find with Revelation is that the number in Revelation, the number seven means the number of completion. The number of completion. It means that certain things have to, be, have to take place and have to be completed before we can move on. And the truth of the matter is this. That very often in life, we have questions about why God is doing certain things. Why do certain things have to happen? We have questions. Why is there pain in life? But so often, we have to wait for God to complete what God has ordered before we can move on. And that is what the book of Revelation is. It's a list of events and series of things that must take place. And one cannot take place until the other has been completed. But Revelation leads to one thing. It leads to what the old Christians years ago used to call the glorious hope. The glorious hope. If you read the New Testament, you read any of the writings of Paul, he talks about the hope of glory, the hope of Jesus. And what that hope is, is that Jesus Christ is coming again. And there's a day that's coming where we will no longer have to deal with the suffering of this world, but we will be able to live in heaven with God. That is the glorious hope. And John talks about it in Revelation chapter 21. And in chapter 21, verses 1 to 7, this is what John says. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Sorry for you who like to go to Ocean City. The sea's going to be gone. Ocean City's going to be nothing after the sea's gone. It says this, 
And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. I think that's one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, that God's home is now amongst his people, that God is not distant, that God is not far away, that God's home is in our presence. Where we are, there is God also. It says, look, God's home will be amongst his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. To all who are victorious, they will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God and they will be my children. You may be thirsty this morning for something in this life. You may be living this life and, and, and just going through the motions and you're chasing after one thing after another and you're just thirsty in this life. You're thinking there must be more to this life. Well, Jesus is saying this to all who are thirsty. Come and drink of the water of life. And do you know what's going to happen? You're going to thirst no more. That is what heaven's going to be like. The hope of tomorrow is a world where God is present where, and we feel his presence. It's a, joy, it's a world that is full of joy and freedom. A world where Christ is king and love prevails. That earthquakes will, will not be in the news anymore. The earthquake, uh, that hurricanes will not come and bring devastation anymore. That we will hear of no more terror attacks. We, we will hear of no more downturned economic crises. We, we will hear of no more shootings in Las Vegas. It will be a time where there is peace on earth, that there is joy and there is hope and there is dancing and rejoicing because it is a perfect place where there is no more sin. That is what heaven is like. Those who are thirsty will never thirst again. But before we get the events of Revelation must be completed. The events of Revelation must be completed. Revelation 22, verse 8, says this, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he says, no, Don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book, who worship only God. Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. 
Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Many of you, you've asked, why, why is there so much evil in this world? Why are there so many events that go on that God just doesn't intervene in this world? That scripture there tells us. For the event of revelation must take place, must be completed before Jesus can return. So let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile, they have to continue being vile. And I know we're living in a world that is perverse, where our kids are growing up, and we're like, what is going on with this world? What is the world going to look like when our kids are older? Unfortunately, the events of Revelation have to take place before Jesus comes and it gets better. But let's continue reading. Then John writes this. These are the words of Jesus. Look, I am coming soon. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And John says this, blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat from the tree, the fruit of the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, and the idol worshippers, all who love to live a lie. So John is telling us this, that those who have come to a place where they believe on Jesus Christ and they allow Jesus to come and forgive them of their sins, he calls them washing their robes, they will be allowed to enter this city. This city that John saw, this new heaven, this new earth, where God is present, they will be allowed to enter into the city. But all those who did not wash their robes, did not ask Jesus for forgiveness, they will be on the outside. That's what John is telling us. And then Jesus said this, in verse 16 of Revelation 22, uh, 22. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright and the morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words of this prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city that is described for this book. He who is, faith, who is the faithful witness to all these things says this. And these are the words of Jesus. Yes, I am coming soon. Which John in reply says, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The hope of our faith and the promise of our salvation is this, is that Jesus 
is coming again. Jesus says he promised that he is coming soon. How soon? I don't know. When he's coming, we don't know. Soon to us is not soon to God. But all we know is this, is that Jesus promised that he is coming soon. And so when you see the signs of the times, when you see all this going on, then it's time to look up for your salvation is near, for Jesus is coming soon. This is our hope. This is our faith. And if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, this is what you believe in. So as we look out in our world, we can ask so many why questions. Why the earthquakes? Why the hurricanes? Why the suffering? Why the sickness? Why the terror attacks? But the answers are not always easy to understand. We have to know that God has a plan. And that these events must be completed before Jesus returns. And you may be going through some stuff in your life right now. You may be looking at your marriage and you may be thinking, my marriage is in pain right now. I don't know how I can take away the pain that our marriage is going through. You may be going through some economic issue right now where you are financially looking at your budget every month and you cannot see a way out. You may have a sickness that is hindering you or even killing you today. And you're thinking, how can I ever get away from this pain this sickness is causing me? You may have a child who is away from God right now and you think how can this child ever come back to God and the pain of just praying for them and interceding for them you may be in a place right now where you are questioning life and questioning all the things that are going on and the answer is not always easy because sometimes the course has to run its path sometimes the events have to take place before Jesus comes and you may be like that right now. You may be going through a moment where it feels like, like the seals are coming off the scroll. And, and all these things are happening in your life that are not good. But there will come a day when the seventh seal will be opened. And God will hear and answer your prayer. You may feel like the trumpets are just blowing and they're bringing terror and destruction on your life. But there will come a time when the seventh trumpet will blow. And it will announce that Jesus is coming again. There is a time in this world when Jesus is coming. He promised us that he is coming soon. And so for how much it frustrates you or how much it hurts you to go through the pains of life. And even if you're in a great place now, maybe tomorrow you may go through a moment when you ask why. And if you ask why, then remember the number seven of Revelation. For the time of completion may not be here yet. Remember the words of Jesus. He says, yes, I am coming soon. Which in reply, like John the Revelator, we should answer. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I know this morning, just what we talked about is just very different kind of feel to what we normally talk about here on Sunday mornings. But you may be in this place today and you heard about heaven. 
heard about the events that Revelation talks about. And you know that you're in a place right now where if heaven was here right now, you would not be allowed to enter the city. For your robes are not washed. For you've never asked Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You've never come to that place where you are believing on Jesus. And you may be in this place today and you hear those words. And you know that Jesus is real. You know that God has a plan in this world. And if you're not ready, then there's a very real possibility that you could miss out. And so if you are in this place today, I just want to take just a brief moment to allow you the opportunity for Jesus to come and wash your soul of its sins. Jesus said this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have eternal life. And there's so many people in the days to come, in the end times, that will suffer and will perish. But you do not have to be one of those people. And whether Jesus comes tomorrow or it's another 2,000 years, you can have the hope that Christians for 2,000 years have had, that there is a glorious hope, and that is Jesus is coming again. And when we pass from this life into the next, we will not have to perish, we will not be in hurt, but we can have the freedom of heaven and experience eternal life. And so if that's you today, this is what I want you to do. I want you to ask Jesus right now in this place to forgive you of your sins. To say, Jesus, I am sorry for not believing in you and not following you. I'm sorry that I've allowed the evils and the wickednesses of this world and the selfishness of the human heart to take the place that you should have taken. I ask you today to forgive me of your sin, of my sins. That like John said, that you will wash my robes, wash my life, wash my soul, wash my spirit of the sins that separate me from you. I want to live a life where I follow you and believe on you. I do not want to be fearful of these end times and these events of revelation. I want to know that I have a hope and that hope is in you. And so, Father God, today, through Jesus Christ, your Son, I ask that you will come and forgive my sin and give me eternal life in your name. That's why your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear about it. You can either fill out a connect card and mark on there that you prayed that prayer or you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, or come to talk to me. And I would love to hear about it and pray with you. If you need a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible as well. But there are those in this place today 
and kind of you're believers of Jesus, you've prayed that prayer, but you've kind of just been a little blasé about this Christian life. And you've really just concentrated about what's best for me, but you, you haven't really understood that this life is not about this earth. It is about heaven. And our faith is about a journey of faith towards heaven. And some of us this morning, we need to have a fresh revelation, a fresh vision of heaven today. A fresh vision of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do. And so this morning, and if that's you, and I know each and every day, I need that fresh revelation of who Jesus is. I want you to pray with me this morning. And as we pray today, I pray that God will just come and and give us this fresh revelation that we'll have a passion for Jesus and that we will not be afraid of what's happening in this world. For we know that Jesus is coming, Jesus is with us, and that our hope is not in this world, but our hope is in heaven. And so this morning, what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we close. And as you stand this morning, we're going to pray together. And we're going to pray that the book of Revelation will become very real to us. And we will know that it's going to be all about Jesus, all about Him coming again. And in through that, we're going to worship Him and we're going to glorify Him. So let's stand this morning together as a church.